0: So, yeah, getting this started, man. How would you describe what it is that you do, um, what you talk about, and really what's behind your creativity online?
1: Uh, I'm in in this process of of becoming, like all of us, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm in this process of becoming, you know, my past, my history is, you know, I was, uh, I grew up poor in the Appalachian Mountains, went to law school to escape poverty. You know, I had a big spiritual awakening literally six months after I passed the bar that set me on this crazy spiritual path that I've been on since 2011. Uh, I spent a decade as a uh, an attorney and Kriya Yogi, you know, doing my meditation practice every day and all that. And then in 2019, I found plant medicines. And that was an answer to a prayer to deepen my awakening personally and also to be of greater service to others in a healing capacity. Mm. And so what has emerged, you know, is this sort of tantric shaman yogi, who's also a lawyer. <laughs> and and that's sort of what's emerged as who I am and am becoming. And um in the end of twenty uh twenty twenty one, I literally just gave my Law practice, my interest in my law practice, to my ma- my partner. I was managing partner of a small law firm. And uh, joined a friend down in Austin, Texas, to start a medicine church. Wow. Started, uh, started serving medicine down there and, and helping people. And I've been on that path ever since.
0: That's amazing. Oh, man. What kind of medicine, if I can ask?
1: Uh, well, Chuma is what I, I serve. That's uh, what I've... Uh, you know, that's what I was initiated into to serve. And I continue to be a student of other medicines. Um, you know, I work a lot with uh, with um, ayahuasca and peyote. So.
0: And what is Wachuma exactly? San Pedro. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing, man. So how would you describe uh, what this, quote, spiritual awakening was? In 2011, what kind of insight was dawned upon you in that year?
1: Well, I was literally in 2011, six months after passing the bar. I was sitting at my my desk. I was associate general counsel for a community bank. I was sitting at my desk. I was an atheist at the time. You know, I was very mystical growing up, and I I, I pretty well rejected you know the fundamentalist Christianity I was raised with out of the gate. Uh, but I was very interested in, in Druidry and, and Earth-based spirituality. Um, then I, you know, I went to college and majored in philosophy. And they turned me into a good Western philosopher and atheist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this whole reductionist materialism model. Yeah. And, and that really be- was um, a part of a, a pretty severe dark night of the soul really severe dark night of the soul. These feelings of of alienation uh, that I had really felt all my life were just accentuated and, you know, feelings of depression. And, you know, as you do when you have a dark night of the soul, you go to law school, you know? So that's what I did anyway. And went to law school, decided I would, you know, since there's no point to life, I would just get busy, you know, playing that game of money, power, prestige, and, If that's, you know, that's the whole point of life, that's all there is, I might as well try to be good at it, right? And um, so six months after passing the bar, I was sitting at my desk uh, reading a, a mainstream article on quantum physics that talked about the universe being a great thought rather than a great clock. So it was conched in terms that I respected This was a scientist, it was a physicist and a philosopher, talking about how consciousness is integral to matter and not emergent, that consciousness and matter are one, Mm -hmm. that all is one, that everything is just this field of awareness from which things emerge. And that gave me intellectual permission to look at my secretary at the time, looked across the room, and I thought, you two are me. And I believed it. And when that happened, I had this huge heart opening, first time in my life that I truly felt love and bliss, just absolute bliss, lightning bolts of bliss just running throughout my being. And I experienced ego death and and, and you know was just in this beautiful, blissful place of witnessing and just loving awareness for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And after a few weeks, um, the ego came back in with all the spaciousness around it now just enough to ask what the hell just happened to me, right? Yeah. And, and that began my path of intentional seeking. That began my sadhana. That began, um, you know, a, a quest that continues to this day uh, to deepen that awakening, yeah. you know, to deepen that awakening and continue to deepen my embodiment of it. Um, you know, my first thing I found was Kriya Yoga, uh, autobiography of a yogi. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people may be familiar with that book. Uh, I started doing the practices while I was reading the book, I found them on
0: YouTube.
1: Mm-hmm. And three months into doing my practices, I, I had this beautiful dream initiation with Mahavatar Babaji. And um, you know, I, I continued to study and do my practices. I've studied various different uh Institutions, yoga institutions that teach Kriya Yoga, studied their material. Ultimately, did get initiated physically as well into that that lineage and practice. Um, but yeah, that that was that was the beginning of my path. Was was that awakening, and then literally a decade of cultivation while working my day job and and doing my life.
0: Mm. Yeah. And when you got that that glimpse, right? even though it took 10 years in that span, it was something that you just couldn't forget, right? Or was something you couldn't just say. I was a different uh, person. Yeah, <laughs> it was because of uh, quantum physics, you said too, right? You were just like- Yeah, just, uh,
1: you know, there, there's this there's this growing notion in quantum physics is theory um, of panpsychism, you know, that everything is consciousness, that at mm-hmm. a quantum level, Everything is consciousness. Yeah. you know in philosophy, we often talk about the the uh, the problem, uh, the interaction problem of you know most most Western philosophy is based on this Cartesian notion of duality, you know that consciousness is separate from matter, and that by some some mechanics that we will uh, soon identify and, and nail down and know exactly how it works, consciousness emerges from physical phenomena. But it really only resides between the two ears of humans, and everything else is more robotic, right? <laughs> yeah, we're the only ones that are really self-aware. Everything else is pretty mechanistic. Yeah, so that's the Western view, which is really insane. Um, but there is this emerging view in quantum physics and other sectors, and even in in some you know researchers of consciousness. You know, they have yet to find consciousness in the human brain. They have yet to identify those mechanics by which consciousness emerges. And moreover, there's this idea, well, if if consciousness and matter are different in nature, how do they interact? If they're different in nature, how do they interact? If one's non-physical and one's physical. How do these two different things interact? Yeah. So it's got all these problems that are really, you know, and, and it's got all these problems because it's based on, on a fundamental misunderstanding, you know, Mm. Everything is consciousness at the most fundamental level. We are manifestations from this cosmic pool of consciousness, experiencing ourselves as finite, right? So we're ultimately infinite. Everything's infinite. But we experience ourselves as finite beings through our limited perspectives. Yeah. and And the spiritual journey is this journey of continuing to broaden. That perspective back into infinity
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's a very apt and simple explanation to it but i feel like that's very relatable it's just simply um releasing the limitations and dissolving into the the limitless
1: yeah which is one thing
0: yeah it's it's (laughs) our that's our natural state that's the uh that's actually what we are. That's what's going on, and we're just peeling back the layers, bit by bit, yeah. through these practices. We're just slowly and slowly just morphing back into this one essence. It's pretty simple, you know. It when is. You put it's it not that, that
1: complicated. <laughs> no.
0: I think we just our egos just overcomplicate the process, but it's really not. Yeah, it's it's not easy per se. You know, there's going to be pain and ups and downs, one could say, to this path. But it's quite simple mm-hmm. in what we're doing.
1: Yeah. It's just we got a lot of stuff that's in the way of us being present with truth. Mm. And that's that unfolding thing you're talking about. Yeah. You know, that peeling back of the onion of all these things that keep us from being present Yeah, with truth. <laughs>
0: so how would you recommend maybe to somebody that has no clue what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, practices and modalities to peel the layers of the onion back. Uh, what are some things that you would, you know, tell somebody or give somebody?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a tantric yogi, right? You know, my I am a tantric yogi that utilizes the discipline and the practices of meditation, pranayama, and the study of sutra, along with the ecstatic, and wild and crazy use of entheogenic medicines. Mm-hmm. And helpful. and so I view these two paths as very interrelated. I view them as very complementary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if you're not meditating, start meditating, mm-hmm. right? That's an easy starting point. Yeah. Start, start meditating, doing, you know, do that five, 10 minutes a day, do it twice a day, whatever. Like that, that is like the standard advice that everyone's going to give you. Mm-hmm. right The problem I noticed after after over a decade of, me, of my Kriya yoga practice where I was just oh in these beautiful blissful non-dual states through just my breath, right uh, was that most people do not have the incentive to engage in a decade of disciplined meditation in order to notice significant results. Mm. yeah And when you are most people will spend years, if not decades, when they begin a meditation practice of simple, simply processing unprocessed, stuck mental and emotional impressions that are stuck in the subtle body, right? You, you, when you begin your meditation process practice, if you haven't had one, and the older you get, the worse it is because you have more of a backlog, mm. you are simply working through unprocessed mental and emotional impressions that are stuck in the subtle body. You know, you're working on defragging the hard drive, so to speak. You're <laughs> working on simply getting to a place where there is a gap between the capacity to witness and the monkey mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you'll spend years doing that, most people. And there's all sorts of beautiful practices for doing that. And I be- I recommend that everyone start there and everyone continue doing that. That, that be- you develop a root practice. Mm-hmm. Of, engage, of, doing, of daily meditation, self-inquiry, and working through the mental and emotional impressions that build up from the past and in the present so that you are more and more able to abide in a place of loving awareness. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, that's that's the simple basics thing, right? And you can't really avoid it. You can try. You can try to distract yourself from it. Yeah. But being present with presence is really the, the where you start.
0: Yeah. Um, Be still and know.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. Mm-hmm. But you know, where I differ from you know some of the more um, uh, you know the yogis who are not her or less tantric, is that I see great benefit in working with entheogenic medicines as an acceleration of the spiritual path. Yeah, and an acceleration of the evolution of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And with these medicines, and you know, for instance, like ayahuasca, beautiful teacher. Uh, she and, and I encounter her as the, the great mother, the divine mother. In, uh, in medicine space, the first time I sat with her, she appeared to me as Kali, right? Mm-hmm. This beautiful, fierce Kali with red eyes and lolling tongue, who is just the epitome of fierce compassion
0: and strong feminine energy.
1: This fa- f- strong, feminine, wild energy mm-hmm. that's just cutting off your head and liberating, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Forcing you really to confront everything in you that keeps you from being present with truth. And, you know, that practice of working with that medicine is an intense and accelerated purification of your mind, body, and soul and a releasing and purging of these unprocessed mental and emotional impressions that get stuck in the body from this lifetime and prior lifetimes. You know, you can accomplish in a series of work with her, three ceremonies over a week, what would take years if not decades, uh to achieve through meditation and psychotherapy you know yeah and so she is an accelerant mm-hmm. but it's not appropriate for everyone right that's mm-hmm. something that i think it needs to be noted it's something if you feel called to it if you're already you know in a in a pretty if you're if you already got your meditation down you know probably an accelerant hmm. and you know and also i tell people you know you do medicine when you're sick right not just when you're well so if you're sick too and you're having trouble meditating and you've just got you got depression and you got your anxiety and you're working through all that stuff and it's hard and and it's like a weight on your back that's preventing you from even beginning to do a practice you do medicine work with you know work with one of these medicines with uh with an experienced and qualified shaman um and it'll help you you know if you feel called to it it's not appropriate for everybody you know for people that that be struggle with with some severe mental disease. It might be too too much. It might be disorienting. It might it might uh, might might make a mental crisis worse. So I don't recommend it for everybody. But you know, if you feel called to it, um, it, it can be a, one of the one of the best things you can do for yourself, in my opinion.
0: Mm. I agree. And how would you describe how one comes out of this plant medicine, psychedelic experience, a different person? Um, You know, what is the orientation that it leads somebody down? Does it, for lack of a better word, um, make somebody uh, happier, a little bit more peaceful in, in an integrated manner? I know there can be detriment to it, but is it mostly beneficial? To somebody's yeah. being to do this in a healthy way,
1: yeah, and and I I make a distinction. I don't like the word psychedelics, for instance, because that includes a lot of the synthetics, um, like, like the ketamine, MDMA, and different things, which mm-hmm. they're different, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my my what I <clears throat> noticed with those is that they'll open a doorway of perception that allows you to see a different perspective. But they lack the benevolent archetypal energy associated with it that the natural medicines have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the natural medicines, these natural entheogenic medicines that have been used for thousands of years and they have literally co-evolved with humanity have so much more intelligence. And they have these beautiful benevolent archetypal energies associated with them that are both teachers and healers. They will both heal you and they will both teach you increasing the overall intelligence of your energetic field. Um, So I would make that distinction between the synthetics and the natural medicines. I align with the natural medicine. I I feel like they overall have a much more better holistic healing ability, right? You know, you get holistic healing in a better, more integrated way from them. Um, But when you partake in these medicines, these medicines, these entheogenic medicines... Are associated with archetypal consciousness. Okay, so they are, if you want to think of it in Hindu terms, avatars mm. of different types of archetypal consciousness. So when you eat the flesh of God, which is what you're doing when you when you partake in one of these sacred medicines, you are partaking in an avatar's energy into your body. You're bringing that energy into your body. And what happens is that that energy comes into your body. You receive as much of it as you can, and also that which is not in alignment with that energy starts getting purged from your body. And That's where, like in ayahuasca ceremonies, people do a lot of vomiting. They'll do a lot of pooping, all sorts of stuff, getting bad, getting rid of hucha, which is a you know word for bad energy, which is you know karmic inner you know karma. It is you know mental emotional impressions different things and physical impurities, all sorts of stuff. So you are, when you partake in one of these medicines, you're partaking in a very high vibrational energy that has a whole lot of intelligence with it. And you're bringing that into your body, and it's purifying your body because you're bringing in a high vibrational energy that is just pushing out, pushing out, pushing out all these lower vibrational energies in your body. And it also has this intelligence with it. Where you are attuning to the mind of God, you are attuning Hmm. to an archetypal energy, and that increases the overall intelligence of your energy field. Mm -hmm. So you are both being healed and you are both learning. You know, healer, healer, uh, healer, teacher. You know, you are both purifying and you are both also increasing the overall intelligence of your energy system. So when you come out of ceremony, you've dumped a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you've let go of a lot of stuff right that's both physical physical stuff of not having a good diet like so many westerners and at this point globally have just a poor diet with a lot of crap in it and a lot of processed foods and excess sugar and different things so you've gotten rid of a lot of that stuff you've gotten rid of a lot of karma you've gotten rid of a lot of mental and emotional impressions that have been you know stuck in you for maybe many lifetimes You know, certainly this lifetime. And you've also got this new perspective that has been downloaded into you, this upgrade to your software, essentially, Mm -hmm. um, that allows you to see yourself and your life from an elevated perspective. And so you come back and this is where a lot of people struggle they'll get this huge up-level in consciousness by working with these medicines. But then they return to the same old life the prior state of consciousness created. Mm -hmm. And that can be really painful. And that's where the integration process begins. Mm. You know, that's the hardest part with these medicines because you get such a shift in such a short period of time and you come back to life circumstances created by the prior state of consciousness that was just like a week ago, right? Right.
0: Yeah, right.
1: You know, the, the the week ago person created this stuff, and now you're like, "What the hell? This is, you know, I don't want anything to do with this." Yeah, but that that begins this beautiful process of untangling, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where the lessons really seep in. It is like untangling the mess, cleaning up your mess. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, to me, I regard the plant medicines as. Quite literal sacraments, and I know to somebody that doesn't know any better and they've never done it, um, may seem like some crazy talk yeah. to what we're you know we're touching upon here, but it's really like when you do it, it's undeniable. When you when you yeah. go through these these experiences, when you're in the moment with the spirit, it's like it's undeniable, and it's like unfathomable, truly uncomprehensible until like you have that felt experience so mm-hmm. yeah it's really like there's only so much we can talk about it <laughs> yeah. words are
1: inadequate you know
0: yeah but it's truly divine like these things are more than just getting high you know it's more Absolutely. than just uh more than just trying to see some colors and for recreation like no these yeah. this is like you are getting connected to higher energies that are way more than meets the eye um yeah. quite and, that,
1: and that's why i make that distinction between synthetics and, and the natural entheogenic medicines mm. you know held in a good way Mm -hmm. Is because yeah, the synthetics can be recreational, and I'm not saying recreational is bad. Frankly, I think everyone has the sovereign human right to experiment with their own consciousness. But you know, they can't. They the scientists extracted the parts of these medicines that quote make you sick. Often, you know, they you know, like with mescaline. You know, you want you want you want the experience of the mescaline, but you don't want to get sick from like as you do with peyote and wachuma. Uh, and, and as, as you know, roadmen and with the Native American church will tell you, you're not getting sick; you're getting well. Mm. You know that purging process is an integral part of the process because you're letting go of that he- negative, heavy energy. Uh-huh. You're, you're vomiting up; you're, you're you're getting rid of it, right? And and so, yeah, if you have a synthetic, it'll open this doorway of perception, and you'll get to see some fun colors, and you can have a good time, and whatever. But you're probably not going to learn much. Mm. Right, you're not you're you're not going to learn much, and 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 when you come down from your high, you're mostly going to be the same person, except mm. now you have you know this other other thing exists, which can be transformative, right? But 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 uh, the the way the natural medicines work is they literally take you by the hand, they walk you to a higher state of consciousness, and they show you how to live there.
0: Mm, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you can't stay there your whole life. One can try, and it could be another trap. I feel though. Yeah. The, the- and Ram Dass
1: talks about that with his experiences with LSD. You know, he kept getting mm-hmm. high and, and trying to stay there, and he kept mm-hmm. coming down. You know. Yeah. And I you know, and LSD is a synthetic, right? It's not mm-hmm. going to teach you how to live there. It's not a teacher. It's not a healer. It, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gateway. You know, it's a gateway to a different level of consciousness. A gateway to a different. You know, level of perception, but it's not a healer teacher like the natural medicines are, which are archetypal aspects of divine consciousness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so living there, you know, in that yeah. wavelength, that frequency, this would you say the um, the orientation is toward a sort of service? orientation in somebody's being like ultimately, you know, down the road, maybe when you work out your stuff, would you Mm -hmm. say that somebody just becomes like naturally more giving, more selfless, more compassionate, more loving, you could say?
1: Yeah. And and early on the path, you're doing personal work, right? You're you're dealing with your own shit, Mm -hmm. your own suffering. And that's where we all start. And that's true of every spiritual path is when you first start it, you're just trying to escape your own suffering. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's when you get in the medicine path. That's very similar. But eventually, you get healed enough that you start to dissolve the difference between your suffering and the other people's suffering. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: your 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 perception expands beyond the individuated self and starts to expand out into others and include others. Yeah. And you realize that it's all my shit. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and so since it's all my shit I have a duty mm. you know, I have a duty to help alleviate suffering in all beings because they too are me
0: Tatwamasi. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah it seems yeah it's a duty right we mm-hmm. have the freedom to not if we really want to but I guess when you really have that that dawning that revelation of I'm you, you're me. We're all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like I said, it's undeniable and it almost does become obligatory in a way, yeah. I feel. It does.
1: <sighs> yeah. And you know, this thing they talk about empaths, right? They fill other people's emotions. And and, and that's just a, a natural byproduct of the heart opening. Mm. As the heart opens, the bridges to between you and other people open up and become clear. And it's a two-way channel, you know? Mm -hmm. You start to really feel the emotions of other people. You start to feel their suffering, their pain. And and as you gain more mastery over your boundaries and this, that, and the other, you you can choose to turn it off. You can choose to look away. You can choose to create distance between you and them and not be overwhelmed by those things. But the truth of the matter is they too are you and and when you fully open up and allow yourself to to dwell in that place, you know your brother, your sister's suffering is like an injured part of your own body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why would you not tend to your own to that? right? Yeah, Why would you not tend to it?
0: Mm. So powerful. <sighs> but I think that's that's the way is one way or the other. We're all realizing that we're this super organism in a way yeah. we're all like different nodes of the same mind and our mm-hmm. our seeming separateness is really truly just an illusion mm-hmm. um yeah and that's more felt it's like this intuitive sense you know mm-hmm. because I know that you're on your part of the world and the other side of the screen and the listener in the future is wherever they are and there is a seeming separateness but I that that innate sameness it comes to me personally in a form that goes beyond I guess even the language of saying you are the same you know beyond the visual and the audio in that in the stillness that one can find in their own life it's like this it's a pinging Mm -hmm. yeah it's like being uh, connected to the collective unconscious one may say it's this uh yeah it's just like goes beyond words I guess is what I'm trying to say
1: it's transcendent. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. It's quite beautiful, though. It's quite beautiful that to know that um, we are all connected by this seeming. Uh, it's just like this force of love. That's the truth, man. I know it's cliché to say, but it's really the truth that we're all this. This whole thing that we're in, this thing we call life, is actually all about love. It's not this fear and this. The separateness, the, the the popular paradigm of like competition, and you know just being against each other. It's like no, 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 no. It's quite contrary. Like mm. really, what's going on here is we're we're this giant super organism that has lost its way, and we're slowly gaining our sense of uh, our sense of similarity, our sense of knowing that we're all the same thing. We're we're gaining that little by little. That's really the path, and. In that, I feel is peace. I think ultimately, that's really what you know. What it really all uh, we're doing it for is so that we can ultimately uh, escape this seeming chaotic world, this kind of daunting and harrowing world that one may find on Fox News (laughs) or on uh, you know the popular idea of how the world is. It's like no, it's really about within in in that that dawning of our similarity. It's like somehow, in one way or the other, it's okay. Is yeah. I find like a, in that intuitive sense is an okayness. Like it's all it's all perfect mm-hmm. in one way yeah. or the other. Mm. Yeah,
1: it's it's all perfect, and and it's, it's so interesting because you know we 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 begin the spiritual path because we have some desire to to escape our suffering.
0: Yeah, right? that's just in the input, catalyst, we, you know, right?
1: Life's hard, right?
0: Yeah,
1: and so we 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 begin this path of trying to escape our own suffering, and and really to. In a sense, try to escape a world that is mad. Yeah, you know, a, lo- a world that is just so upside down. We're just coming out of the Kali Yuga, and 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 it's a really confusing place right now. You know, <laughs> yeah, with a lot of a lot of really confusing place with a lot of suffering, and and there is that that that, and you see this throughout throughout history and throughout these spiritual traditions, and in Christianity, I think maybe in particular. This idea that we're going to experience this hell, we're going to escape this hellish world by going to somewhere else, right? Or this idea of salvation. Somebody's going to save you and take you somewhere else. You know, Mm -hmm. the goodies will go to heaven, the baddies will go to hell, and and everything will be put right. Mm -hmm. And, you know... I think there's truth in that from this larger perspective, but we got the timeline wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. You know, you know, I, I I think the goodies go to heaven and the baddies go to hell, but it's all self-created and co-created and it happens over the course of many lifetimes. Yeah. No. And right now on this earth plane, it's mixed. You got some people living in heaven. You got some people living in mm-hmm. hell, sometimes in the same household. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. all because of different different states of consciousness yeah. that they 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 have and they're cultivating.
0: Mm.
1: And, yeah. you know, I wish I could, you know, I, it would be nice if we could get rid of all of our problems overnight. You know, it'd be beautiful. But the reality is that the only way to really deal with suffering in ourselves and at a global level is to deeply confront and be present with the things that are causing suffering, you know, and I, I we can't escape this world. Mm-hmm. There's no escaping it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Their only path is to go more deeply into it. Yeah. To bring more consciousness and more presence into every dark corner of ourselves, our relationships, and everything else. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that by bringing more presence, more consciousness to all those things, we will begin the healing process and the process of putting them right. You know, elevating consciousness, elevating the vibration, not just of ourselves, of our relationships, and the world at large. And, you know, that's the hard work. Mm -hmm. That's that's the really hard work. That's the karma yogi's work. Mm. And I feel like it is the most important work, you know, because we when we do these practices, you know, I, I call it kind of the white robe syndrome. We do these practices and we get to a certain level of purity and happiness and bliss and joy. and Oh, we're just lovely. We got these nice white robes that are all just crystal clean and clear. And we don't want to get contaminated by that messy world outside of us and that lives in other people. We just want to be content in our own purity and happiness and joy and bliss and goodness and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, you can get so far with that
0: mm-hmm.
1: until mm-hmm. you realize that they too are you. Their messiness is your messiness, their pain is your pain. And that's where the bodhisattva comes in. You know, yeah. I've I've a cha- I've achieved a certain amount of realization in myself where I can be happy.
0: Hmm.
1: That's not enough. Yeah. My compassionate heart forces me back out into the world. My compassionate heart forces me more deeply into the world. My compassionate heart will not rest till all beings are free of suffering. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So well said. Hmm. So the way of the bodhisattva, yeah, is I mean, this like an inevitability uh, with somebody that is on the path, like becoming the shaman? Are we all in our own way becoming the shaman, would you say?
1: I think so. And uh, one of my mentors, he, he serves ayahuasca. He has for about 10 years. And he said, "You know the only and this was after ceremony one one night he he came and we were working with Hemppe, and he said, "You know the only the only real hazard of continuing to work with these medicines is that eventually they'll put you to work. Mm. and you better be ready. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've noticed with them. you know you you begin on this path of personal healing." And then you get well enough to hold space for others in some way, and and that may or may not include pouring medicine. Yeah. But it it is that path of of getting strong enough, healthy enough, well enough to be able to help others. Mm-hmm. And and a part of being well is being compassionate. And, and recognizing you have a duty to help others. And you don't do it from a place of willpower, you do it from your own compassionate heart that says, you know, they too are me. Yeah. So what do you think
0: this is all leading to? Because I often wonder if these things are innately necessary for as long as we call ourselves human Mm -hmm. Or maybe what we're doing is quite literally building a new world. Some may say we're building a sort of heaven-like physical state. Um, Do you think there'll be a time where we won't need plant medicine, where we'll just naturally be inclined to be where the plant medicine takes us? (laughs) You know?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I uh, I think maybe eventually you get to a place where... You can take the medicine, and it doesn't really make much of a difference. Yeah. Right? Because your, your level of consciousness is already at the vibration of that medicine. <clears throat> and so you don't really need it. And I think that's, that's why in these higher ages, if you think in terms of yugas, they, they don't really need medicine. They don't use medicine because they're already at the level of consciousness of the medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, when we are in these transitory periods like we are now between ages, Especially coming out of the Kali Yuga, mm. which is this age of, of really density, disconnection, and ignorance. We need medicine, right? You know, and and if we didn't, it wouldn't make much of a difference. <laughs> mm. So, you know, when I smoke uh, cannabis, which I, I rarely do, it really doesn't do much for me, right? Cannabis doesn't really do much for me. I just, you know, it, I might it might be useful to meditate a little deeper. But but generally, it doesn't really do much for me, and it, it's just not that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've worked with these these master teacher healer plants, like ayahuasca, peyote, and wachuma, um, they're still teaching me. They're definitely still teaching me, and I'm still learning from them. And, and maybe they have infinite lessons to teach me. But when I work with those medicines, I generally simply become more present and more myself. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not like blasted off and just like, you know, you know, in a puddle on the ground, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting upright, you know, and I'm become I'm more present and I'm more myself. I'm more connection, connected to the divine spark of the truth of who and what I am. You know, the 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 energy in my subtle body has been turned up and there's the addition of this intelligence within me that's teaching me. That's increasing the overall intelligence of my energy field. That's, you know, so so, and also what I found with the medicine is, you know, I still drink medicine and take medicine for myself to help myself because you know I'm still human. I'm in, I'm still learning. I'm still, I still got things I'm working on, and 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 sometimes I work with the medicine and and it's uh, doing personal work and that's really important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes I come to the med- ceremony and I'm feeling great. And But there's other people in my life that aren't. They're struggling. And so they, I drink the medicine for them. I dedicate mm-hmm. the merit of my practice to them. I spend my time in ceremony praying for them. And, and when I do that, you know, when I'm praying for people that I, in my life that are suffering, um, I go right into their suffering. I go right into their suffering. I go right down into the mud with them, and I feel all of it. And I help them, you know, I, I, by being being present with it, by feeling it. I really sincerely praying for them and not just praying in the sense of, oh, God, help them. You know, I pray for them. Creator, help me help them. Mm. And I go down and I feel it with them and I work with it. And, and I'll, some of my hardest ceremonies have been praying for other people and feeling their suffering. And, and one of the most beautiful things I've found about that is when I do medicine, everybody in my life gets better, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. Mm. So the proof is in the pudding.
1: Yeah. Everybody in my life gets better.
0: Mm. I believe it. Yeah. Hmm. Do you credit uh, plant medicine and the experiences of them to your belief in God?
1: Uh, no, um, I, you know, I had that big awakening, uh, back in 2011, that big, uh, kundalini awakening some might, people might call it where I had, um, a non-dual perception of God as ever new bliss. and mm-hmm.
0: so, so that was your, that's your credit. That's, that was the catalyst to it. Yeah. That
1: was like, I was an atheist before that. Mm. And then I had this abrupt awakening, not really abrupt, but you know, it, it, from a certain level of consciousness, it was abrupt, and I had that awakening, and then this realization um, that God is infinite love and infinite bliss, and I too am that. You know, mm-hmm. this this realization of self realization. I will say that it's a funny thing that my uh, I was doing my Kriya Yoga for a decade, but I didn't have a very developed relationship. With with the gods of, of Hinduism, and I wouldn't have considered myself Hindu. Um, but in my practice working with the plant medicines, you know, what archetypal consciousness shows up, it's the Hindu deities. Mm-hmm. You know, I for me, you know, that's that's the clo- that's the astral clothing that these archetypal energies wear when I'm interacting with them. So an ironic thing is that my medicine work has made me extraordinarily Hindu and devotional yeah. and, and when I and these are the names of God, the appearances of God, the qualities of God that show up for me. Mm. Now I will say that they are archetypal manifestations of God. they are not the absolute. yeah Absolute is pure consciousness. Absolute is formless. Absolute, absolute. is ever new bliss. it's absolute yeah. right <laughs> But you know God being infinite, God can be both personal and impersonal and both are true
0: mm. Mm. well said yeah would you would you postulate that these Hindu deities and the archetypes of them and their images um, quite potentially come from uh, plant medicine experiences i.e, Religion, yeah. the religions that we know and the stories behind them are actually just manifestations of people tripping.
1: <laughs> you know, I think it's a little complicated because I think, you know, as Graham Hancock says, we are a species with amnesia. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the memory in India and a lot of the the Asian countries and cultures, is the memory of the prior yugas, these higher ages, right? So they remember a time when humanity was much more evolved and the residue, the stories uh, have been transmitted down through the generations and, and are still alive in that way. So I do think that in the higher ages, you know, you, you get to a level of consciousness where you're at or above the level of consciousness of the of the, of the medicine and and you're just, you know, always having this beautiful, ongoing, embodied relationship with the divine because you're at a frequency uh, and the planet's at a frequency where that's all possible. I do think that in, in Hinduism that mushrooms and hashish cannabis have been an integral part uh, of, of retaining that level of consciousness be- uh, between yugas, Right. Mm-hmm. As a medicine, when we when we dip down and we 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 forget, you know I, these these medicines are beautiful modes of remembering. Mm-hmm. They're mo- beautiful modes of healing and learning and elevating consciousness and vibration. And eventually, you know you know you may get to a point where you don't need them. My, you know, my first uh, experience with ayahuasca was with a, a shaman down in Peru. He's 80 years old. He started apprenticing with his uncle when he was eight. He's done over 6,000 ceremonies. Wow. He no longer needs to drink medicine. <laughs> yeah. Right? <I> yeah. <laughs> he, he'll, he'll smoke mapacho, which is tobacco. But he can get to that level of consciousness with just that. He doesn't have to drink medicine anymore. Mm-hmm. And he is like the animated forest. He is the animated uh, forest. And, and it's just it's a beautiful, loving man. Mm. But he, you know, after a long life and a long period of working with the medicine and serving it, you know, he don't need to, he doesn't need to drink it physically to vibrate at that frequency.
0: mm so. Wow. And that also goes to show they're non-toxic. If you can do it 6,000 times in, in a lifetime. Oh, yeah. And he's still, you know, he's still, uh, yeah. his cognition is still there, then it's, it's yeah. cool to show that they're very safe in that manner.
1: Yeah. You know, they are, and my, my, my teachers say they are elixirs of health and vitality.
0: mm Mm. Yeah, they're probably healthy. Like actually, they like are. not only like mentally and spiritually healthy, but physically. It's all one. It's all one thing yeah. ultimately. So yeah, super. They
1: are. They're super healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I will say this. You know, in January, I went on the. I did went down to Peru for uh, some deep work, um, and I I worked for two weeks with uh, one of my teachers with ayahuasca. So I had five ceremonies with ayahuasca, drinking pretty much every other day. Um, and then following that, uh, one of one of the things I do, Smiling Jaguar retreats, is to lead people down to Peru to work with one of my my teachers down there. And he serves Wachuma, and we do this pilgrimage going from the coast uh, of uh, of uh, of Peru at Chiclayo and ancient pyramids, and having ceremony, and going up to Chavin and then up to the the Andes, right. And that's two weeks, seven ceremonies, and so I did five in January. I did five ceremonies with ayahuasca, then I did seven ceremonies with wachuma. Mm-hmm. I was drinking medicine every other day for that month, and I said, "You know, I'll be dead or glowing at the end of it." <laughs> and I was glowing, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, wow, that's powerful, man.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, it wasn't easy but it yeah, was it was, it was good it was good work yeah know?
0: it's courageous in that way honestly mm. yeah yeah that's the thing too is most and i'm not judging i don't care but i mean i'm yeah. also speaking for myself uh aren't willing to do that you know the fact yeah. that you're able to do that and come out the other side and, and speak about it it's like i bow to you in that that's uh that's mm. very you know it's admirable
1: yeah, you know, I hope to you know, I hope to make it my yearly practice because it was the most profound thing I've ever done in my life.
0: I can't imagine.
1: Yeah. You know. Wow.
0: Hmm.
1: But um, and you know, I think that's why in this Western culture, um, which is so confused, um, you know, and there's such a fear of self-knowledge. I think that's why these medicines have been made illegal and outlawed, right? Oh, yeah, mm mm-hmm. it, 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 we, we are afraid. We're terrified of knowing ourselves. <laughs> We're terrified of being present with the truth of who and what we are. It's ironic. We're terrified of it.
0: Yeah, know? I think it's a collective guilt because we've come so far that the illegality and the prohibition of them is just a, it's just a byproduct of our collective guilt of not knowing mm. ourselves because we've been so off our rocker for so long. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, it's like just continuing the lie. But yeah. I think the cat's out of well, the bag. Well, if people
1: wake up, it'll destroy everything because everything's yeah. built on a lie.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's what's happening as we speak right now. Is that yeah. we're we're figuring out how much we've been living in that lie, and slowly and slowly, yeah. people are getting the message. Um yeah. And it seems actually I said slow, but actually I think it's very quick in the in the scheme it's of time. Accelerating. Yeah, it's exponential. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting times we live in for sure. Yeah. Interesting times. I just
1: Yeah, one of the one of the things are you in the United States?
0: Yep. I live outside of Boston.
1: Outside of Boston. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um one of the things I'm working on, and you know, I was a lawyer for 10 years, still am a lawyer. You know, I traded in my briefcase for a medicine bag, but I, I'm still licensed. And and I actually had got raided by, by feds wow. about a month ago. Damn. Around Good Friday, you know, I'd ordered Christ. some what wach- I'd, I'd ordered some from Peru from some beautiful people down there, and they caught it the border uh-huh. possession of San Pedro is not illegal, uh-huh. but you know they confused it with peyote I think, which is, and because of the masculine, anyway, I had like they they did a controlled delivery, and I ended up with with three agents at my door with a search warrant went mm-hmm. to search my house right. Mm-hmm. And and my response was, you know, nothing I have here is illegal, because first of all, San Pedro is legal to possess, but also I'm protected by the First Amendment and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which say that I have the right to exercise my faith, and these medicines working with them are my faith. Mm. Um, well, they still searched my whole damn house, right? You know, they tore it apart, looking under under every under, uh, in every corner, and you know, under every bed and all that. And I don't know what they'll do. They may try to bring charges. If so, that's fine. You know, I'm prepared to fight them and defend myself. And, you know, I'm happy to defend my faith. Um, but you know, a lot of what they do is they they'll target people who are in charge of medicine churches mm. and, and raid them and, and and try to intimidate them. And you know, it's a travesty because it is the persecution of a religious minority. Mm -hmm. because the people using these medicines for spiritual and religious purposes are doing so sincerely. And they are protected both by the Constitution and by statute. But law enforcement, because, you know, there is a law in the book that makes makes the practice of your religion illegal, and you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. Mm -hmm. And that's the crazy world we live in. And I'm I'm hoping to start an organization with a, a friend who's kind of prominent in this area, civil rights organization, um, to protect people who are using these medicines, these entheogens, for spiritual and religious purposes, because I think it's needed. And it's something we're going to have to fight for, frankly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we think, or uh, just because the cat's out of the bag, we think like we don't have to suffer the repercussions of the illegality of it. But I guess in your case, that's not true.
1: Yeah. It's still yeah. it's still there. I mean, yeah. It's, it's still a thing. Especially yeah. in the Bible Belt.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, where do you live again?
1: Kentucky. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. They're not hip down there.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's so unfortunate. We're living in the shadow of the drug war still. I believe... Yeah. I've said this before, so I apologize for anybody that's heard it. Um, I've said it ad nauseum. I believe that the prohibition of these substances is going to be looked at in the future as a crime against humanity truthfully i do believe there's there's so many people that could benefit from it and the fact that it's illegal leads to people one not knowing about it two not having access three just not having any interest or just anything at all they don't you know it just turns off people just because of the illegality of it Mm -hmm. which is totally not yeah. seated in truth whatsoever. So I do yeah. believe in the future it'll be it'll look back at a, as a kind of like a scar in the history yeah. of our country and the world. Well, it,
1: yeah, it's a continuation of the colonial and imperial attempt to outlaw indigenous spirituality. Yeah, plain and simple. Yeah, that's you true. know, it began with the Roman Roman Empire and the and the Catholic Church of, you know, uh, going after the Celts who were mushroom eaters. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so they, they wanted to disconnect those people from their land and from the spirits of their land and to make them good citizens of the empire, good soldiers of the empire, so that they would go out and kill their other brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, within a generation or two, the colonized become colonizers. And, and that's that's the way colonialism works. That's the way empire works. And it, it metastasizes like a cancer. Yeah. And and so, you know, and then the empire moved to Great Britain and with a lot of those same prejudices and and, that same mentality, the same mind virus. Mm -hmm. And then and then from Great Britain, it came to the United States, which is, is, is the current seat of empire and colonialism. And the first thing the Catholic Church and the missionaries did when they came to the United States was to go after the Native Americans and to outlaw or at least, you know, condemn and 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 persecute people who were using natural medicines as heretics and you know what have you mm-hmm. and and that that legacy continues mm-hmm. that legacy continues it, this is a complete continuation of of the imperial colonialist agenda to um, to disconnect us from nature in order to disconnect us from ourselves in order to disconnect us from other people so that we will fight wars and we will work uh, as wage slave. Yeah. You know, it's this, this, mm-hmm. this, it's this whole program of enslavement.
0: Mm-hmm. To be obedient. Yeah. And ultimately disconnect us from God to know that.
1: Absolutely. It, disconnect us from truth. Yeah. Yeah.
0: To, um, because if you connect yourself with a higher sense of power, then that power, that colonialization of the mind holds truly no power. And it's like this uh, Babylon, one may say, doesn't really want to give up their power. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the story of old man. Who who knows how long that has been going on? (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) it's still going on in today's world, just in uh, a slightly different form. The colonization has become uh, less so of of like colonization of land and more so of like a colonization of the mind now. That's where it's seated.
1: It's, it's, yeah, like it's a, always been about consciousness, though. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: At the deep, yeah, yeah at the deep level, it's really. Oh, yeah. this is where it all starts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Truly, I don't know. I do. Um, I do foresee a lot of that darkness and distortion of our reality, but I also do see um, a lot of hope. I actually yeah. do think uh, the lights. You know, I I see the light in the darkness at the end of the tunnel. I do believe mm-hmm. we're moving toward a better world. It's just gonna. Mm-hmm. Take a little bit of time, but in in actuality, I don't think it's going to take that much time. I think, like we said before, it's going it's accelerating, and eventually, it's going to reach critical mass and to a point yeah. of exponentiality. And then yeah, we're
1: kinda, hitting an inflection point for sure.
0: Yeah, I think we're getting yeah. there. We're getting there yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you do you see hope for the future? Do you see like uh, you know people getting on this wavelength? Do you, do you see more people? living in darkness, or both? Do you see like a rift? You know,
1: you know I, I'm incredibly optimistic because I have faith in the permanence and the deathlessness of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so things may get really ugly at the 3D level and the physical level, and, you know, things may go to hell, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but consciousness endures, mm-hmm. and consciousness persists, and the turning of the ages persists. And so yeah, we're in this morpho- we're in this uh, mutation phase between yugas. We are in, you know, the death of the old world and the birth of the new, and both are happening at the same time. And a part of that process is the confronting of all of the unconscious dark stuff that has been unconscious. And that can be ugly, that can be messy, that can be destructive. We may blow ourselves up. Um but, yeah, we blow ourselves up. Okay. Those those spirits, you know, they leave the body. I believe there's this sorting process that goes on. You know, we go find another body. And we continue our evolution. Then eventually we'll resume the evolution on this planet once she's healed enough. Right? mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and, and so it's all a choice ultimately. It's all a choice about what this plant what what how we're going to behave this time and what we're going to choose this time, whether we're going to have this beautiful healing and you know moving toward consciousness and light and love and this beautiful ascension into a golden age in a relatively, you know, painless way. You know, that's a possibility. If we choose it, if enough of us choose it, if we choose to heal, if we choose to truly confront the darkness and transmute it, that's a possibility. We can also have this war between those seeking to awaken and those who continue to self-sabotage, those who continue to, continue to try to put out the light because they're afraid of it. And you know, we can have this this, this tension of going on. You know, we can do that. That's one possibility. And eventually um, we'll blow ourselves up or, or over a long messy process, you know, awaken and heal. Right. That's a mm-hmm. possibility. Mm-hmm. There's also this the, the possibility of, 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 you know, the, the, the total darkness scenario where we just blow ourselves up and have to start over somewhere else. Yeah. But the story goes on is what I'm getting at. Exactly. There is no end to it. Yeah. There's no end to it. And so be optimistic because there's no end to the story. Mm-hmm. And there may be a dark patch, there may be some ugliness and drama, but consciousness goes on, the evolution of consciousness goes on, the story goes on, and this is a transition point from a dark age into an awakening age. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that that's permanent, right? That's truth. Mm-hmm. And 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 how it plays out in this particulars, you know, it can be interesting. Yeah. But it's just interesting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> definitely interesting. May yeah. you be born in interesting times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we are. Um, yeah. Hey man, I think that's a good note to wrap this thing up at. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say?
1: No, you know, it, wherever you just that wherever you are on this journey, you know, we we we've been in pretty esoteric realms most of this conversation. Mm. Um, but wherever you are on the journey, um, my recommendation to you is to, to simply start doing constructive practices to awaken and deepen that awakening. Yeah. And that that's the best thing you can do for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anybody can find out more about these uh, from your work, right?
1: Yeah, sure. You know, they can go to um, ZacharyAdama.com. Um they can go to smilingjaguar.com if they're interested in uh, some of my medicine work and offerings. And you know, I have a substack that or a newsletter that I write that people can check that out. It's called Zachary Adama in the Medicine. Um, but I uh, also do, you know, one-on-one work with people if they want to do that. And um, we just start. We started a medicine church back in October, The Infinite Way. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually a tantric church, you know, non-dual tantra and the medicine. And, you know, to me, those things go together um, in a very seamless and beautiful way and complementary way. But, yeah, I'm doing a lot of different things. And, you know, if they can find out about them like that. so mm-hmm.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, I'll link everything down below for anybody listening. But uh, yeah. I appreciate your time, effort and wisdom. I think this was an amazing conversation. I don't have anything else to say. I like The Infinite Way. That's a great name. I might have to tell it. Yeah, talk about the that podcast. came to me
1: in ceremony.
0: Yeah, The Infinite Way. I like that,
1: man. Yeah. That's
0: good. I like it. Um, The way is the way is the way.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you again.
1: Yeah, thank you, brother.
0: Appreciate you. Appreciate yeah. anybody that listened this long. Um, Peace and love. Peace and yeah. love to everyone. Yeah. Goodbye.